It's time for News Talk 720 KDWN's Ask the Expert Hour. Have a question? Call now, 702-257-KDWN. That's 702-257-5396. Welcome to Ask the Experts. My name is Brian Black. We're talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. How are you doing today, Brian? Doing well, Brian. Had a good weekend. Yeah. It was good to get the... Uh uh, some good rain in, and yeah. some moisture. And nice to mountains. see some snow on the mountains. Yeah, they've been powdered again. Yeah, it's pretty nice, pretty nice. I uh, think I might actually head up to the mountains in the next couple of weeks. And uh, and uh, I'm, I'm from South Carolina, so I have no experience with skiing or anything like that. But I've got some friends that are trying to talk me into it. So I figured, you know, I haven't broken a leg yet. I should at least try, right? I think you'll get addicted the first time. Okay, well, cool. Well, we're going to be talking today about estate planning, as we usually do with Brian A. Lowe from Brian A. Low and Associates. And there's lots of different things that we've talked about over the weeks uh, previously since we started this show back in the summer, uh, most of which had to do with individual planning, uh, talking about taking care of your family, talking about taking care of, uh, of uh, causes that you're, you're invested in. Uh, one thing that we haven't touched on too heavily so far is estate planning for the business owner. Oh, okay. So, when, 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 you know, and there's a lot of business owners out there. I, I, I think I pulled a, a list one time, uh, you know, that there were 30,000 business licenses issued in the, in the Valley. And that's a lot considering, you know, how many people there are here. There's a lot of small business owners here. So if you have a thriving business, you, you, you are in charge of your own fate, so to speak. And it time, comes time for estate planning. Is there, is there a particular method that you should approach uh, for taking care of your business like you would your family? Well, there are, there are lots of issues. As you said, how do you take care of your family? Oftentimes, a business owner, that will be the primary asset mm -hmm. and uh, source of income for the family. Right. And so a person has to plan around what happens if, if I become incapacitated. Right. You know, I get hit by that golf ball and I can't think any longer. Mm -hmm. uh, I get hit by an automobile and I'm... And I can't go to work and carry on the business. Right. If I die, what happens if I don't have some kind of a planning and way of, of liquidating that asset and right. carrying on that business? It could be fatal to the family and, and the whole estate plan. So what do you do? Well, there are various things that people can do, and it depends on everyone's uh, own situation. What kind of a business do, do they have? Do they have many employees, or is it just basically uh, that individual right. and the uh, uh, value of that individual in the business? For instance, in a professional corporation, it may be just the doctor. The doctor is popular because he is good at what he does, mm -hmm. and just turning it over to, I mean, if, if he weren't there, his wife can't come in and, and perform right. the surgeries or... or uh, do whatever the the physician is doing. And so this asset that has been very profitable during his his working lifetime is now worth nothing. Okay. And so there are exit strategies that you have to start planning for. Sometimes you have heirs. Uh, there's an heir apparent. You have a business. One member of the family has decided, well, I'd like to follow in dad's footsteps. Right or mom's footsteps. And so they start working in the business and they mm -hmm. work up and they're part of the business. But there are three of, or four other 
uh, siblings that are not involved. Right. But the primary asset of the of the family is that business. Right. So what happens when it comes time to allocate these assets mm-hmm. at the end of the day when a person dies to these family members? And so that takes planning. You know, do you want to turn it over to the heir apparent and not give anything to the uh, to the others? Do you want to be able to provide some form of the business going on, uh, giving one member of the family some power to to carry on the business while right. the others can profit from it? Do you want? I mean, there are just so many factors Absolutely. involved. But anyone that has a business should get in and and plan around some kind of an exit planning or or uh, death planning with that business. Now, is this, uh, would you be including that in your will? Um, or is or is there uh, some some business documentation that you have to, to do that's separate from like a private will? Well, oftentimes we use various uh, ways. For instance, if you wanted to sell your business, mm-hmm. you could say, well, I'm going to put it on the market. Or you may have a key employee. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them the right to buy it uh, when I die, mm-hmm. uh, you can uh, uh, do some charitable planning so that you can get around some uh, um, um, tax problems, right. capital gains problems, and selling a business or whatever. So, it, it, you know, there are tax issues, there are state tax issues, there are planning issues, control issues, right. liquidity in the estate issues. Just lots of issues that takes some planning, and so a person should come in. And depending on what their situation is and who the heirs are and what they want done, then we can plan around it. So it may not be as simple as, well, I want to live my, leave my business to my kids. What does that mean? Who runs the business? And, and if, if you, you mean leave them the cash that the business is worth, then they might be liable for a huge tax uh, hit as soon as they, as soon as the, you know, you've, you're selling off a business that has grown in value over the years. Yeah. So that- if if you have a business that uh, is the primary asset of your estate, mm-hmm. and let's say it is worth more than the estate tax exemption amount. Right. Now we've talked in the past about what that exemption amount is. That exemption amount is a little over five million four hundred thousand per. Right. Uh, Spouse. Per individual, yes. Yes, or per individual. So if your business is worth more than $5.4 million, or for a couple more than $10,800,000, mm-hmm. then it could mean that there are taxes that are going to have to be paid. How do you prepare to pay those taxes and will it require a liquidation of the business or a sale of the business at that time in order to come up with sufficient funds to pay the tax. Farmers, for instance, have a problem because their land values could go up. Right. And Or even here in the valley, there are, are pieces of land that have been worth millions of dollars. We, we sold uh, 11 acres of land for a client one time at $20 million an acre. Wow. And this just... Uh, just boomed. Sure. It, and all of a sudden you've got uh, $222 million that you have to pay a state tax on. Right. Or a capital gains tax on or whatever. So there's just a lot of planning issues if the value of your business has gone up. 
So when somebody, uh, you know, you've worked, you've got a, you know, you're a two-truck plumbing company, you know, you're not quite at that $5 million mark. Is, are there any pitfalls that might occur uh, when, you know, you know, God forbid something happens to you, you've, you've got a couple of employees, not a lot of employees. What is the best thing to do to move forward to make that plan? It depends. Here again, let's assume two-truck has a contract to to truck certain things from here to there. Right. And now all of a sudden the owner who has been making the assignments for the truckers to to drive, he's got the uh, power of the pen to pay a check right. uh, for these truckers to continue to work. Uh, he's got uh, uh, to massage the his clients so that they continue to use the trucking business. Right. So you've got to look at all these issues and what a person needs to do to plan in the event that that owner is not there or that key man is not there the next day to carry on that business. When we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit more about some tools that you can use in order to plan to uh, either plan for the demise of your business or plan for its continuation. If you have a question for Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates, please give us a call at 702-257-5396. We'll be back in just a moment. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. Welcome back. We're talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. And if you have a question for Brian, give us a call at 702-257-5396. We're talking about estate planning for business. Uh, over the past several weeks here on the show, we've talked about planning for individuals and families. But there's a lot of times when those areas overlap and you need to take care of your family. And the, the way that you take care of them is by doing something with your business, which has been your primary source of income this entire time. Um, can you think of an example of a, a recent um, case, you know, no names, of course, uh, where you, you've had to uh, use one of the, one of the tools, the legal tools available to you to maintain uh, income for a family. Well, let me get, give you an example. Let's, and I won't use any names as hypothetical. Sure. Um, a family owns fifty two percent. A man owns fifty two percent of a corporation. Okay. That corporation is a very profitable business. They're in the uh, uh, the food service industry. Okay. And have multiple locations. And there are, he owns 52%. There are a couple of other shareholders that own the other 48%. But he's, so he's the man. He's he the- is the man because he has 52% of the corporation and therefore he is in control. Okay. Now he wants to plan for what happens when he dies. Okay. So, or even when he becomes incapacitated. Right. So his concern is if he dies and he treats all of his children the same and distributes out a percentage interest to each one of the uh, the children, now each one of them have a minority interest mm-hmm. and the other 48% interest, all they need to do is just buy out one right. of those children's interest and they could probably make a, uh, a nice offer, buy that individual's interest and therefore take control of the business. And then that whole control of the whole business moves to a, to a different group. Okay. So yeah, the family's out, they still have some interest, but they're no longer in control. That's right. And so 
in this particular case, we, we set up a, uh, a trust that on the incapacity or death of, of the owner of the stock, his stock would move into a, in that company into a dynasty trust that would be controlled by a trustee. Okay. And the uh, trustee of that trust is the person who has followed in the, the father's footsteps and wants to be active in the business and, and uh, carry on the business. And so he would, would put him in as the trustee of the trust. So the other kids, even they're not involved in the business, but they do share in the profits as heirs. They share in the profits equally. Right. Just like the, the heir apparent, the, the young man who's going to be controlling the business. Right. But the person who's in control of the business, this is a corporation, and the corporation can still pay him a salary for the services that he renders. All profits then would be distributed among the shareholders, which right. his kids would get their proportionate share, but no control. Interesting. And, and the, is that sort of thing unbreakable? So, say you're the youngest slacker kid, and you really want to just, you want to you cash in and get out. Is that, you're just stuck. You can't do anything with that, right? That is correct. That's the, the, that's that's the, the way intent. that the trust was set up. Remember that the stock is doesn't belong to that child. Gotcha. The child just has a beneficial interest in that trust. Okay. He receives a check, but it's he, not his. That's right. It, it, he receives his proportionate share, and that's it. The stock is owned still by the father mm-hmm. through that's in a trust for the benefit of his children. So can they can they complain? Can they try to get out? Well, in this particular situation, we said that it would take a a uh, a majority, a 60% super majority of right. all of the shareholders, right? which would be all of the kids, I mean, to sell the stock. Right. So if they all got into dire straits and needed to, they could break it. But, but it would have to be a 60% majority of the children or heirs right. that would have to agree to sell the entire interest, and then it would all be sold, and it would, they could move on. Okay, interesting. Uh, so when you're when you're talking about uh, planning for your business and you're talking about planning your estate, um, are there uh, let's talk about life insurance. So last time you were here we talked about life insurance and how you can use it in your estate planning. Um, are there, you know, we we had talked about how life insurance is is not taxable uh, when you receive a life insurance uh, benefit on the death of a, a loved one. Um, is that the case in the business model? Well, it, it can be. Um, but life insurance is good that you brought up life insurance in this situation because that's another way that you can treat all of the, the heirs of your estate mm-hmm. equitably or the way you want to treat them. So rather than giving stock to each one of the children, right. you can give the stock to the person who is really running the business and, right. and can take it to, to that next level. And you can buy some life insurance and let's say a life insurance trust or whatever, and give that life, those life insurance proceeds to the children who are not interested in the business. So all of them are treated equitably. Right. Everyone moves on with what is best for them. Very interesting. So, um, can you leave life insurance to the trust? 
to run the business, for instance, or or for for you know capital for for to get things you, you going bet. after your death. Yes, and with oftentimes we will recommend that uh, if there is a key person in the business, and probably the owner is that key person, mm-hmm. and if you there may be uh, many people in the business that can keep things running, but not as well as the the business owner, and so the business may need an infusion of capital mm-hmm. when they lose the owner right? until they can nurture somebody to take over his position. So oftentimes we will have businesses buy uh, key man insurance to protect the business mm-hmm. in the event that that owner or that key person is not going to be there to carry on uh, in their functions in the business. Now, if you're a business owner and you're listening to the show right now and you have any questions uh, whatsoever for Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates, give us a call at 702-257-5396. So we've got a couple of minutes left in this segment. Can you think of another example of something unusual that's occurred over the years as far as planning for a business uh, expense in the case of your demise? Well, oftentimes people will try to sell a business. Mm Mm-hmm. And they may put put up a uh, hundred dollars to start their business, mm-hmm. and now the business has grown and it's been successful. And now the owner wants to step out of the business, right? And he would like to sell it to whomever would come up. Even maybe one of these key people would like to buy it, right? But there's going to be this huge capital gain. Mm-hmm. And with the capital gains tax, with the Obama tax added on to it, mm-hmm. could be substantial. And so maybe a little bit of planning uh, could help out, even if they have charitable, uh, they want to do some charitable things. They could give their business that has a huge increase in value, huge appreciation, right. give that to a charitable trust, uh uh, charitable remainder trust, let's say in this situation, okay, and then have the charitable remainder trust sell that to an individual who wants to buy it, right? And then there's not going to be any capital gain on that sale, mm-hmm. and then the charitable remainder trust invests all of the the proceeds of that sale mm-hmm. and gives them a certain return, right, on that that sale. Okay. And so for their lifetimes, they're going to get a what they want, a, a sizable return, more so than what they would do if they had sell, sold it outright right. and paid the tax on it and then invested the rest. And it, now they're, they're earning money on it. And sometimes they say, well, if I do that, then I don't have anything for my children at the end of the day. So what they'll do with the the tax benefit of giving this money away to a charitable remainder trust, mm-hmm. this tax advantage, they will take the funds from uh, the savings on that and possibly buy some life insurance and give that life insurance to the kids as a replacement for the stock that they would have received. And so it helps everybody. It helps the charity. It helps the, the children uh, have something when the, the owner dies and the owner has a much larger income for life. So it's it's really a numbers game really. You you look at well in this situation on the left column this is this is how much that I would profit from this deal or my heirs would profit from this deal and you know if I do a b c and d if I directly sell the business and 
hand over the the proceeds to my children. And on the right side, you're like, well, what what if we do it this way? Will will it be better? Will everyone be better off? Especially with the charity, uh, mm-hmm. which I would imagine, you know, if you're if you're heavily invested in charity and you have a cause that you're you're very passionate about, that's a great way to go. If you can if you can equitably take care of your your family, but also help out this charity, because I would assume they're they're making money on it and they're able to continue their work using this sale, correct? Well, the charity doesn't really receive anything. Okay. As long as the owner of the business and his wife and or his children or whatever are still alive. Right. All of the income or all of the proceeds of mm-hmm. the sale of that business stays in a fund to pay out the benefit to the to the contributor. So the 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 advantage to the charity is when the person passes away, then the then the assets revert over to them. That is correct. Okay, very very interesting. All right, when we come back to ask the experts, if you have a question for Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe and Associates, please give us a call on the Centennial Toyota Talk and Text Line at 702-257-5396. We'll be back in just a moment. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720, KDWN. Welcome back. We're talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. The number to call is 702-257-5396 on the Centennial Toyota Talk and Text Line if you have a question for Brian about estate planning for your business. So we've talked a little bit about ways that you can take care of your family uh, in the event of your demise or your incapacity. Um, and, And... what we're we're trying to touch on today is estate planning is 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 it's very complex and there's lots of different situations especially when you're talking about a business where you have employees where you have partners where you have value of the business where you have stock where you have just so many different things that you need to plan around. And one of the things I, I think that we uh, haven't really touched on yet is that it doesn't have to be a a will type situation that, is necessarily um, only activated at the time of your death. You could start this planning process and start, you know, start m- moving these assets where you need them to go way before you die. That's correct. Oftentimes, if the value of your your estate is going up, or or control is going to be a problem, or whatever, you may want to make gifts. Now, every individual can give a non-taxable uh, a gift tax mm-hmm. estate uh, amount, and there's an exempt amount of $14,000 per year. Right. So I can give as many people as I want to give to mm-hmm. $14,000 per year, and it would not be subject to paying any kind of, of gift tax. On either side. On either side. If I go over the 14 right now, then anything in excess goes into another column, which are the taxable gifts. Mm-hmm. And once my overall taxable gifts and my estate is valued at $5.4 million, then I have to start paying either a gift tax during life mm-hmm. or upon my death, it... I will pay estate tax on it. Right. So you can start get making gifts of fourteen thousand per year, and your your spouse can also give fourteen thousand a year. So basically, let's say you have uh, four children, you uh, want to give them some some interest in the business mm-hmm. and transfer it out so that will reduce 
your estate tax at the end of the day, right. you can start giving them the, uh, the maximum uh, gift tax exclusion amount of stock or partnership interest or LLC interest or, or just outright interest mm-hmm. while you're still alive. And at you give that value. away. Yeah, but you, but you don't give them more than it uh, so that they take controls. You always retain control. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be stock. It doesn't have to be a partnership interest. You can give a percentage of a piece of land. Right. Let's say you own 20 acres out here and it's worth uh, uh, $100,000 an acre. Right. Now, you're in a taxable situation. So what you can do is you can start giving each one of those children a percentage interest in it, right. which starts eating away that. Uh, that So at the end of the day, when you die, your estate has been moved down to the, the 10.8 million dollars. So in, in a gifting situation, a gift is an outright gift. You can't gift somebody with, with strings attached, correct? Well, either it's a completed gift or a non-completed gift. If you make a completed gift, then you should do, um, I mean, have the documentation to show that it's a non-taxable gift. If, if it's a dollar over or something, you need to do a 709 so that the IRS knows that you've given a, a, a gift and, and that $1 is now going to be right. in the gift tax area. Uh, there's a, a benefit also, oftentimes valuation becomes a significant thing. The value of your business is going up each day. Mm -hmm. And so if you give it away at the low value, Mm -hmm. then you want to stop the IRS from coming in after you die and saying, well, look at what happened. It moved from X number of dollars to Y number of dollars in value. And so we think that we should take that Y number of dollars, which is appreciated over the X right. and tax you on this. Well, by, by filing a 709, it starts the statute of limitations against the IRS. So they have three years from the date that you file the 709 mm-hmm. to contest the valuation of that transfer. So if each year you are making gifts and you file a 709, at the end of the day, the IRS could only go back the th- uh, three years, right? And so, what you're doing is you're establishing that that valuation and letting it go up over time, which the IRS will not be able to challenge. Interesting. So, so you give a, an heir a piece of land. You you decided to plan. You're giving somebody a, a quarter acre. You know, you've got four kids. You're giving them, and it's worth fourteen thousand dollars. Okay. Um, so what you're saying in this point is if you file the 709 at that time, that even if the, the land ends up being worth $500,000 in the future, they're not going to have to pay all of that, uh, capital gains tax, or am I mistaken? Well, and that's the problem. And, and it's good that you brought this up because if you give something away, mm-hmm. you're giving it away at the basis that you have. Right. So if you bought the the land for $10,000 an acre right. and now it's worth $100,000 an acre for gift tax purposes, you file a 709 based upon the value of the property now. Right. But you give something away and their basis in it is the giver's basis. Mm-hmm. So at when, when the child decides now I'm going to sell it, mm-hmm. he still has a lower basis. Right. Now, 
coming back to your question about uh, uh, let's see what was the question? Well, I mean, if if the land has dramatically increased, you know, yes. say that, you know that was given to me ten years ago or twenty years ago when land wasn't so expensive here, but yeah. now it's it's through the roof. Uh, does that does that uh, gifting process with the fi- the filing of the seven hundred nine does that help me avoid well, some tax or is well, it? It has to be a completed gift, mm-hmm. and if it's a completed gift, then it's it's not part of the estate of the giver. Mm-hmm. If it's not a completed gift, if the the giver of the gift can, in fact, go in and change the beneficiary and say, well, uh, I don't want this person to be the beneficiary. I want somebody else or, or I can put in a new beneficiary or I can uh, trade this out and take it back or whatever. Right. It's not a completed gift. And so at the end of the day, there will be a stepped up basis to the giver of the gift, but it will also be part of the giver's gift, uh, estate for estate tax purposes at the value date of death. Now, we've got a couple of minutes left in this segment now. Can you think of an example of somebody who thought they were doing the right thing and ended up just doing the wrong thing because they didn't get the right advice? This happens all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right offhand, I, I wish that I had been asked that question before I came in and I did some thought to <laughs> a little it, bit of but, research but yes this this happens all the time and and uh, it it really can be costly to the estate well and a lot of times I'm, I'm sure that when somebody comes in and is trying damage control um, they, they find themselves with a huge tax burden after uh, somebody has passed away and they, they find out that, oh, my gosh, wait a minute, we thought this was a great gift and now I have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes and I don't have that cash flow. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people come in and talk to you and say, what can I do to fix this situation? Is that a lot of your business? Some of the business, yes. And that does happen. So... Um, what, what would you suggest somebody does today? Uh, they've got a business. They need to do start some planning. What would you suggest they start doing? I would suggest they come in and talk to me mm-hmm. and discuss what the issues are because everybody's situation is a little different. Your employees are different. Your, your uh, family is different. Uh, you Well, let me give you an example. Now, this wasn't s- someone that came into my office, mm-hmm. but here is a a uh, San Francisco law firm. Mm -hmm. And in that law firm, they had a buy-sell agreement. And under that buy-sell agreement, when a person died, the buy-sell agreement said that the company would purchase their interest in the business. Right. And then the, the law firm went out and bought life insurance on the lives of everybody. Okay with the beneficiary being the spouse of the lawyer. Right. The lawyer dies. The life insurance proceeds is paid to the, the surviving spouse of that lawyer. Now, the wife comes in and says, okay, law firm, now you've got to buy out my husband's interest in the business. Right. In the practice. And they said, well, the life insurance was supposed to be in lieu of... Mm-hmm us having to come up with the money. And she said, no, I was the beneficiary. Right. This was just a a benefit. I see that as a benefit. Right. And so it went to court. It was a big lawsuit. Lawyers against lawyers. Lawyers against lawyers. And and the lawyers that planned for it (laughs) uh, lost. And so they had to buy out that one spouse. 
with assets of the of the. So don't go practice. to that law firm because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> well, every law firm, uh, you know, specializes in certain things, and you should go to someone who's who specializes in this area, so you don't run into those problems. And that person would be Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe and Associates. If you have a question for Brian here on the show, give us a call at 702-257-5396 on the Centennial Toyota Talk and Text Line. We'll be back in just a moment. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720, KDWN. Welcome back. I'm Brian Black talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. And we're talking about estate planning for your business. And um, you gave a great example a minute ago of how even a law firm uh, found uh, the, the way a little bit difficult and the, the method a little bit tricky in trying to plan around the demise of one of their partners. And it shows that almost anyone can you know, fail to plan uh, without the right kind of advice. Um, and so I, I was curious about that as, as far as uh, the average business goes. Say, you, know, say you, you were starting to give me an example when we were off the air of, you know, so you're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer, but you're just uh, uh, two partners, just a regular small business um, where the partnership is two couples, for instance. Can you go on with that example? Okay, let's assume that two people, they get together and each one of them are contributing, each couple is contributing something towards the business. Right. And it becomes a successful business. Husband and wife and let's say couple A and husband and wife and couple B. There's only two active people in that business, though. The husband and each couple. Okay. Neither husband wants to be a partner with the other partner's wife. Okay. There are problems. The, the spouse has not been involved in the business, doesn't understand the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, you just have to make sure that, that the control is going to stay with the surviving partner. Or right. if they become incompetent, you don't want the spouse uh, of the incompetent partner to come in and say, hey, you know, change this. I want more money. I'm not getting enough. I want more, more, more without even contributing anything towards the money that's coming into the business. Right. So that becomes a problem and you need to work that out. So oftentimes part of the plan is is a buy-sell agreement. Under certain circumstances, the partners agree between themselves Mm -hmm. that they will buy out their partner if they, if that one partner becomes incompetent or dies or leaves the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are lots of reasons why you would want to be able to buy out your partner. Right. So you get that all set up. So once that contingency happens, everything is set in place. And oftentimes even the value has been established in that agreement. Okay. So from day one, they know what they can be bought out for and and periodically you provide in those agreements that it will be revalued so it's not in year 1 you say you'll have to buy them out my interest for 100,000 but now the business was worth a million dollars you don't want to be able to just buy out that million dollar interest for $100,000 exactly so, so you adjust that periodically you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I would imagine that when we're talking about a business, things are much more dynamic uh, in 
in many cases than when we're talking about a personal fortune or a personal estate. Um, I mean, obviously, you, you, you make money, but a, a business's pur purpose is to make money. So I would imagine that it's important to revisit these issues uh, fairly often in the life of a business, uh, because if you started it 20 years ago and you guys, you know, you shook hands and said, okay, well, you know, if you, if you ever decide to get out of this, I'll buy you out for the $200 that you invested. You need to, you need to re revise that deal when we're talking about millions of dollars. That's right. And if you do have some kind of a buy-sell agreement, you should look at that agreement. Those that are listening, make sure you look at that agreement, find mm -hmm. out what the valuation formula is. And if it needs to be adjusted, adjust it now, because after the fact, it's it's a contractual arrangement. Both the the decedent went to his grave knowing that 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 was the value, and right. it's hard to set it aside. Not well, impossible, but hard to set it aside. Well, you've said something uh, over the last weeks here on the show, last months here on the show, that no good deed goes unpunished. And I, I think that that might apply in in the situation of uh, the, the dissolution of a business agreement by somebody's death. Um, because even if everybody is completely happy with each other, if you have an unclear agreement, then that can cause a lot of problems, especially in the stressful time after somebody dies. It can. And so if you're if you've got an agreement that was, you know, it was it was more of a handshake than a contract or you've got an agreement that was fairly informal because the stakes weren't too high, and that was 20 years ago. And now today, there's a lot riding on it. There's your kid's education. There's your, your, your way of life. There's your income. There's, you know, and that might lead to that situation that you were talking about a few minutes ago about a spouse coming in and kind of panicking and wanting, wanting to uh, stir the pot because they don't know what to do. Um, and so I, I think that that contributes to the idea that you do need to revisit these from time to time. You do. And you need to, uh, uh, to look at the documentation. You said, well, there's a handshake agreement that when, when one of us died, the other one will buy out the interest of the, for X number of dollars. Right. But we have to avoid fraud. Mm -hmm. uh, we have what's known as the statute of frauds. And in that statute of frauds, any contract that is going to um, be applied after the death has to be in writing because you don't have both parties there right. saying, yes, this is the agreement. It was only a handshake. It's all hearsay. And the statute of fraud says it has to be in writing. So you should not ever think that a handshake is going to be sufficient. It will not be sufficient. You've got to document it. Now, one of the services that, that I would imagine that you would perform is if, if somebody is in a partnership and they do have some sort of agreement of this sort, could they bring them to you and have you review them? Yes, we review them all the time. And we, for <clears throat> the clients that are coming in, we that first uh, uh, meeting with us is a free consultation. Okay. And so we will review it. And if everything's okay, we say, you know, this is... This is the way that it is, and it appears to be doing what you want done. Okay. Uh, but if there's anything that we can do in the future, we'd be more than happy to to talk to you about that. And they leave, and they're they're informed. There was no cost. They come back when they do have a problem. 
Interesting. So, uh, you know, and of course, on the other side of the equation, you would be able to, if you're looking to uh, create an agreement where none exists, or you are entering into a business agreement right now and you want to do it right, that would be something that you would do as well. That is correct. And no cost whatsoever on that initial consultation. That is correct. Okay. Well, if you would like to uh, make an appointment with Brian A. Lowe and Associates, the number to call is 702-259-0002. That's 702-259-0002. You can also look them up online at southernnevadalawyers.com. Is there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave with us uh, regarding planning for business? We've got just a couple of more minutes in the segment. Um, Any pitfalls, something that somebody should avoid, any more uh, insight that you can give us today? Well, one thing that we didn't cover is uh, the value of the goodwill in a business. Okay. And if you plan to to transfer that interest to someone else Mm -hmm. and Everyone is just looking to the goodwill, the value of a telephone number that people mm-hmm. call, right. the value of a name, the value of the owner's right. name. <clears throat> All of these things are are uh, goodwill. Right. And what you need to do is, if that's the value of your company, is the goodwill, mm-hmm. then you really need to find some way of capitalizing on the sale or eventual liquidation of that goodwill because if you don't do it the goodwill is going to die with you right but if you've set it up in such a way then someone is going to take over that company and generally with these things you need to have some kind of an exit strategy out of your business that will keep the business going and uh, someone is willing to pay for that. And so there's, it's really assigning a dollar value to something that may not have a specific or fixed dollar value. Correct. So, you know, you've built up your business, Brian A. Lowe and Associates or, or, or Brian Black Radio. Uh, you know, that might mean more than the simple dollar figures show on the balance sheet. Correct. Well, when we, when we uh, come back next week, we're going to be talking a little bit more about estate planning here on Ask the Experts. Thank you very much for being with us today, Mr. Lowe. Thank you, Brian. All right. When we come back, we'll have more for you.